this is Terry Poole, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And a good afternoon to you. It's Dave O. Glad you are along for yet another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. This is the place where we catch up with all your favorite current and former Royals players. And we do it year-round, even on this January afternoon of 2016 when it's literally about four degrees here in Kansas City. And today it's Terry Poole who joins us by phone from his home in Houston. Poole, a guy who, if you've been a longtime baseball fan and or collector of baseball cards, you certainly remember Terry Poole as a Houston Astro. That's because he played there for 14 years. That's right. Terry Poole, 14 years, a left-handed hitting outfielder from 1977 to 1990. He was with the Strohs, including an all-star appearance in 1978 for Terry. Also, besides that, was a part of three playoff teams with Houston, including their first ever playoff team back in 1980. And a guy who came over to the Royals at the very end of his baseball career after being rumored to come over KC. If you go back to like 1988, there was rumors that he would be traded to the Royals in a Danny Tartable trade, which never materialized. But eventually he did finish up his career with KC as things were in 1991, capping 15 years at the MLB level. And Terry joins us now for lots of great stories. The current head baseball coach at the University of Houston, Victoria, a guy who has coached for Team Canada, including in the Olympics as well. Very excited for this chat. Cherry, first of all, thanks for your time. And second of all, how's everything going with you? Beautiful day here in Houston. Our beautiful winners. And uh, look forward to a great year for the Astros in 2016. Yeah, I mean, you guys had a had a great year in uh, 2015. You and I were talking off the air the other day. I, I still believe the Astros were the best team uh, that the Royals faced in the postseason, and it wasn't close. That was a tough, tough series. Well, they got a lot of young talent, uh, very special talent. Uh, their pitching is coming along. If they could add one or two more uh, significant pitchers, uh, they'll definitely be uh, there every year. Yeah, they got some great, great young position players. So, I mean, how was that for you? So, obviously, you're 99% of your career in Astro. So, obviously, you're an Astro, true and through. But 1% with the Royals. So, I mean, how, you know, how was that ALDS for you watching that? And then were you excited uh, to watch the Royals win it once the Astros were out? Was that kind of cool for you to see them win the whole thing? Well, that's all I mean. I was, I was actually pulling for the Royals later on because uh, they're just the best team out there. Uh, Ned Yost has done a good job of, of uh, really – uh, uh, requiring his players to play at a high level and play all aspects of the game. So, yeah, but it was very hard to watch that that crushing defeat in that inning. It gave me back memories of 1980 when we were in Philadelphia, when we were in Houston playing Philadelphia, and with Nolan Ryan on the mound, and uh, we had a lead going into the eighth inning with Nolan Ryan on the mound, and we ended up losing it. And, in fact, if you remember, Kansas City ended up uh, on the other side uh, yep. that year. Yeah. Against uh, against the Phillies, more on that. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But one other question here about uh, about 2016. So what so what's keeping you busy these days? Are you still doing the coaching at Houston Victoria? Yes, I am. But uh, my real job is I'm uh, a member of uh, Cordon Wealth Management. I've been doing uh, been in the financial world for many many years. 
uh, actually even going back to my playing days, and uh, now I do it full-time. I, am a, you know, I, I do the college team. Uh, it's an NAIA program, and uh, yes, it does take my, uh, a lot of time. And I get pretty busy come spring and uh, fall in our fall programs because I'm doing both. At, uh, uh, but it's okay. It's uh, keeps me in baseball at a pretty high level. And uh, it's uh, being with uh, guys that are anywhere from 19 to 23. And, uh, you know, it's a, a pretty good level of uh, talent. Now, you've also managed Team Canada back in 07 at the Baseball World Cup and then 08, uh, the Summer Olympics for Canada in Beijing, right? That's correct. Uh, we actually started that uh, process of qualifying for the Olympics in 2006, going down to Cuba, and uh, we ended up uh, uh, landing in the top four over there of 12 teams and all, all being Latin American uh, uh, teams. So it was, I thought, the hardest of them all to on the qualifying trail where U.S. and uh, Cuba came out of there securing uh, uh, Olympic bursts. And then we had to continue on, and that's what we ended up doing, uh, is uh, securing a berth in uh, 2000, early 2008. Very cool. Are you, are you going to do that again uh, this year? Any coaching this summer? Not for Team Canada, no. I'm done with that. I've got enough, I've got enough uh, on my plate. With the, with the college program, we start up again January 18th with our spring program, and uh, that's the nice thing about Texas. Uh, you know, the weather, if it's above 55 degrees, that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. That's uh, great, and usually it is that time. Yeah, it's currently four degrees here, by the way, in Kansas City. So uh, now well, I wanted to ask you one more. So I mean, you you know, you probably have more kids than just Stephen. That's the one I know of. But so feel free to brag about all your kids. But I wanted to ask you about Stephen. I know he played three years uh, in the minor leagues. So how's he doing these days? And is he still involved with baseball at all? Yeah, Stephen uh, finished uh, several years back. Was released uh, by the Mets and uh, made a conversion from catching. He was drafted as a catcher and then went on to. Uh, uh, pitching in the infinite wisdom of the Mets, uh, you know, I, I sometimes really shake my head at professional uh, coaches sometimes what they're possibly thinking. A guy was so trained to be a, a position player catcher, and then you know, one year after you you draft him, you uh, convert him to being a pitcher. And so I, I really feel for him because he, you know, uh, it, it was a. Uh, a dream that he never saw, the finality of where he really wanted to go with it. But, uh, you know, baseball industry is a very cruel industry. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's the way things are, isn't it? Yeah, you're right about that. Well, let's go way back then. Let's talk about, uh, I guess, you from the start growing up then. So Melville, Saskatchewan is where you were born and raised. Am I right in assuming that hockey was a, a big passion of yours growing up? Absolutely, hockey and uh, you know, all the winter sports. Uh, you know, I know you may not heard this one too much, but curling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is, uh, of course, you know, most of the winter sports, basketball. Uh, you know, I played fo- uh, football, you know, and so uh, and I actually had an opportunity to go uh, play in uh, uh, Saskatchewan uh, to the, uh, the college ranks in football, but huh. uh, I-, I was actually. Uh, Signed uh, by the Astros in uh, the uh, September of '73, actually. Yeah, you were. It, you mentioned football. You were uh, a quarterback in football, and then uh, according to old media guides, it says you played volleyball. You did track as well. But I wanted to ask you about baseball. So, I mean, was it hard to find other kids who who you know were good at baseball, who had a big passion? Was that popular in Saskatchewan? 
well, we had at that particular time we had a group of guys that stuck together every year through and through, and we would win the provincial championship every year and either go to Western Canada or the Canadian finals. And it was just a group of guys that stayed together. We had some really good talent, a lot of guys that played high level hockey even, and uh, but we had a couple guys that uh, probably should have got signed, uh, uh, but uh, it never never happened for them. But uh, we uh, one thing you know it's it's very the season is very compact. Starts in June and finishes uh, at the September one. The skates come out, and uh, so it's a short period of time. You play a lot of games. I was just fortunate to be seen by an Astro scout, and uh, you know the rest is history. Yeah, you pitched on a midget league team. Uh, you guys uh, won a Canadian championship as a pitcher, so that would help you get signed as an outfielder, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But the first thing I wanted to ask you, you know, pitching was that. So was that the position you felt the best at in high school? And then where else in the field did you play it? Because from how I understand it, you didn't play outfield in, in, in high school. Is that correct? That's exactly right. I was uh, I was a third baseman slash pitcher and did most of the pitching critical games with our team. And uh, and then when you know I didn't pitch, I played third base. So, but the scout Wayne Morgan, who's uh, actually a Canadian, and uh, he saw me and he said, "Wow, you can run. That's one thing you can do. You can really run." He says, "And you can throw, but not good enough to be a pitcher." So he says, "And but you can hit, and that's a, that's a makeup of an outfielder." So here's an outfielder's glove, and and welcome to spring training. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You uh, you hit what five seventy five in that midget championship series? Was that? Do you think that was the sealer in you getting signed? Would you have gotten signed? Do you think if you wouldn't have done that well? Uh, I don't think so. I you know I, I think that's where I caught the eye of Wayne. Uh, Cincinnati Reds wanted to sign me a couple years earlier, but you know when I was fifteen. But obviously at that time in Canada, you could only you had to be seventeen years old in order to sign. And uh, so when I became seventeen, I was I. You know, the, the Astros reached out, and uh, I signed with them. So I've read that you left high school with one semester to go in order to sign with Houston, then you came back after rookie ball to graduate. Is that really how it went down? That's exactly how I left high school and uh, ended up coming back after my first season in the in rookie league and uh, finished up my high school. I actually got to play another year of high school football. <laughs> if the Astros would have known that, they would have probably crucified me. But uh, <laughs> I needed... I needed physics as a third science, and it wasn't offered in that semester, but the football coach was the physics teacher, so I made a deal with him. I would quarterback the team if he would uh, uh, tutor me, and uh, that's what he did, and I got my great ball physics. <laughs> <laughs> no way. So you, were, uh, you, you had been a professional baseball player back in high school and playing high school football? That's correct. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, you know, you you can get away with things in the small little world of up in Saskatchewan, and uh, you know, there's not a lot of people up there, and uh, so you know, it was just something that you know, there was nothing against the rules from the school. It was just probably you know if the Astros would have ever found out about it, that they wouldn't have been very pleased. About it. <laughs> yeah, well, you you definitely couldn't have gotten away with that with social media today either, right? <laughs> There would have been a picture right away of that. So, uh, so let's talk about rookie ball then that season. So it's Covington, Virginia in the Appy League, which no longer has a team, obviously. But I'm wondering, what, what was the town of Covington like? What was the stadium like? And then what are your favorite memories of being uh, far away from home that first summer in rookie ball as a 17-year-old? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a sawmill area. You, know, you can always tell you're within 5, 10 miles of Covington because you can smell it. 
and uh, it was uh, yeah, it was a it was a group of guys that uh, you know that come together from all parts of most of them from the U.S. A lot uh, the Astros are signed from Venezuela, so it's all the hot shot high school guys coming in there. Every one of them thinks they're going to be the next uh, you know major leaguer. And I still remember our, our coach, uh, Billy Smith, he was from North Carolina. Billy uh, got us all together and at home plate and said, okay, look around. All you guys are studs out of your high school, but only one of you are going to make the big leagues. <laughs> you know, there was two in there. That was uh, myself and uh, Louis Pujols. <laughs> yeah, he played for the Royals for a bit. Okay. Yeah, he did. So uh, now, how I also I read a quote somewhere from you too that said that when you signed, you basically said, "I'm going to give myself two years to to move up and make it, or I'm just not going to do it." I mean, did you? So when you know going into rookie ball and you hear that kind of stuff from your manager there that one guy's going to make it, did you honestly deep down think you had any chance of moving up and becoming a an MLB player someday? You know, I, those thoughts really didn't go through my mind. I was so uh, involved with trying to do. Uh, and learn the game of baseball uh, because it, it was the first time I was, you know, doing it six, seven months of the year. And uh, to be honest with you, it just completely exhausted me because I just wasn't used to such a long season like that. And then after my second year, got into my third year, and uh, I ended up uh, looking at it, and uh, you know, it was the first year they had to protect me. And so I still remember going to spring training and uh, looking over the fence at the major league, and I looked at him and I went, you know what, those guys aren't any better than me. And so that's the really the first time I thought, you know what, I can play over there too. So, you know, it's the nose to the grind, and, uh, you know, things worked out. Yeah. Well, second year, you mentioned that, 1975. So you were a Midwest League All-Star at Dubuque. You hit 332. You got on base at 402. You swiped 30 bags as well. What sticks out about playing in Dubuque in the Midwest League? Well, the... The thing that sticked out the most was, uh, you know, that I didn't play much in the first month of the season. Bob Cluck was our manager. I was on the bench. And I still remember being put into the game at third base late in the, uh, in the ninth inning. And the guy hit a sacrifice fly. And I came down the line and ran over the catcher <laughs> and jarred the ball loose. We won the ball game. And the next thing you know, the uh, Bob Cluck came up to me and said, you know, I, I like that. He says, I'm going to give you a chance to play. And uh, the next thing I knew, I was in the Midwest League All-Star game uh, and also alongside of a great Royal uh, um, at that time, their, their center fielder, Willie Wilson. Willie yeah. Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Was, that for, was he playing with Waterloo, I'm assuming, at that point? Yeah, that's where he was. Yeah, I, was like, I, I would still say to this day, he might have been the best center fielder I've ever seen play. Really? Wow. wow. I, saw, I saw him make a play in Jacksonville one time. I was double A. We moved up kind of together. And uh, Jacksonville had a, a brick fence in center field. And the balls would be hit over his head. And the way the Royals work, they just put their right fielder close to the line, the left fielder close to the line, and let Willie do everything, even in Waterloo and Jacksonville. But I saw him in Jacksonville. A ball hit over his head, and it was a brick center field wall i saw him run back hard and ran up the wall with his spikes and made the catch you know, <laughs> so that's that's just not humanly possible <laughs> my gosh yeah he was uh, he was a heck of a player for sure that's that's a yeah. cool story well here's a cool story too so your first professional home run i bet you remember it well it's 1976 from how i understand it your parents were there it was a grand slam in columbus yeah. georgia at double a so do you remember that moment pretty well 
I do. I still remember, you know, the, it kind of surprised me, too, that it went out. You know, you, when, you, <laughs> when you swing so many times and, you know, you just had the second base, you know, and then this one goes out, it's, uh, it was kind of a special special time. And, you know, it's, uh, I didn't spend a lot of time in AA. Uh, I was only there for about a month and a half. But, uh, I still remember uh, being one of the about five or six players that always had to go out uh, in the morning to work out and then come back in the afternoon to play the games. And I was so happy to leave double-A. I was going like, gosh, these are long days here. And, uh, but uh, I, it was, uh, I got to play. My my roommate in uh, in double-A was uh, Bruce Bochy, if you remember. Oh, and, of course, uh, yeah. Yeah, Bruce and I, you know, he'd, uh, he'd drive us to the ballpark in his uh, blue Chevy Nova, and we'd go 100 miles an hour through Columbus, and <laughs> he'd scare me to death. And, uh you know, he's a great guy, Bruce is, and just went on to a Hall of Fame uh, career as a manager. Yeah, one thing about Bruce I always think of. I think I read that he has, like, the biggest head in the world. Like, he wears, like, a size 8 and one eighth cap. Have you heard that before? Well, that's, uh, I still remember putting his uh, his batting helmet on. Uh, you know, he does have a large coconut, that's right. But, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, it was 8 and 5 eighths, and uh, I, put his, I put his batting helmet on on sideways <laughs> <laughs> man so he's always been like that wow that's impressive yeah. so yeah. so you finished out uh, 1976 that year we were just talking about you finished out at memphis and triple a then 77 at triple a charleston so i think you just turned 21 three or four days earlier and you get your first call up to the big leagues so take us back to that moment that you know where were you at who told you the news you were going to the big leagues and what was that like well our manager was jim beecham and uh, you're again you know, my parents were coming down to see me play, and so I called them. And I had been on the roster, you know, sent down at a spring training, but uh, I was on the roster. So I went up to him. I said, hey, "Hey, Jim, you know, my parents are thinking about coming down. It's a two thousand mile an hour, a two thousand mile uh, journey for them." And I said that uh, Astros aren't going to do anything crazy with me here, are they? You know, and uh, he says, "No." He says, "As far as I know." You know, you keep on doing what you're doing, you have a chance of going up in September. I said, fine, that's great. So my parents come down. I play one game. I actually hit a home run in that game, too. And uh, after the game, Beach calls me into his, Jim Beachum calls me into his office. He looks at me and he says, Terry, you're going to the big leagues. I almost <laughs> fell over. <You> know, <laughs> what? And what had happened was the Astros had an injury. Jim Fuller. Uh, got injured and, uh, and he probably wasn't doing very well, but uh, got an injury and they said, send up your next best outfielder. And Beecham said, you know, that he says either it should have been J.J. Cannon, uh, but J.J. was hurt at the time with us. And he says, you're my next best outfielder. You're going. And I never went back. Wow, what, that's great! Who, I mean, who? So when you first walk into a a big league clubhouse, then who were some of the Astros teammates that kind of took you under their wing? Well, Enos Cabell was a, uh, and Cesar Cedeno, of course, uh, being the center fielder, he helped me win the outfield so much. You know, it's like an incredible center fielder. Uh, I still think to this day he might have been the best athlete I ever played with, and. Uh, uh, of course, uh, you know, Bob Watson was there. He would uh, give me some tidbits about hitting in the dome. And in other words, don't put the ball up in the air. <laughs> so, uh, and so it was uh, between those three guys, uh, they became uh, uh, good friends. And uh, But also they could see possibly that, okay, this guy is young, he's got some talent, and he's coachable. 
Yeah, and you you got your uh, I guess you came in as a defensive replacement the first game, second game you got your first big league hit, and then 1978 is going to be a huge year for you. So it's your first complete season in the big leagues in '78. You were an All Star. Uh, before we talk about that though, let's talk about your first big league home run it was off Tom Seaver, right? Yes, it was. Um, that was opening day, Riverfront Stadium. Uh, they had uh, you know the Reds always had uh, you know the opening uh, uh, game. And so, uh, and I was a leadoff hitter. Um, and so it was funny. I had a good friend of mine come down from Canada, um, a friend, uh, Garnet Keller, and uh, he ended up being in the stands. So I, 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 uh, um, he was sitting over our uh, dugout, and I, third pitch of the game, I hit one out in right field. So, I, I mean, the stadium is quiet except for this one guy out there just <laughs> clapping his hands, screaming and everything. I hit a home run. And uh, so after the game, I came up and he says, Terry, he says, I got these five phone numbers for girls to uh, to go out with after the game. I said, I said guard, I said, I got to play baseball here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a wingman right there. That's the kind of guy I need in my life right there. <laughs> Yeah, but that, uh, that was uh, that was a special uh, special treat, you know. That uh, it was off Tom Seaver. Uh, may as well save it for a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? And, and, and so that year too, you had an 18 game hitting streak. You were hitting over 300 for several months, and uh, you know you were the lone All Star rep from the Astros. You were actually leading the league in hitting at the All Star break. What you know? What did that mean to you to be named to the All Star game? Were you surprised by that, or were you kind of expecting it? Oh no, I, I didn't expect it, not at all. Uh, it was a, a very much an honor, and uh, to be able to, I still remember walking into that uh, locker room, and uh, you know, you're in there with the likes of Willie Stargell, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, uh, you know, Garvey Say, uh, uh, Vita Blue was there. Uh, it was one. I look at that picture, uh, Larry. Uh, I mean, it was it was one Hall of Famer after another on that particular team that was you know and it's to me it's still you know, one of the greatest uh, moments of my career you mentioned pete rose wasn't there a story later where you broke one of his records or something at first base and he was there at first base did that happen or am i misremembering no that was in the 1980 playoffs and we were playing the philadelphia phillies pete was the first baseman and i had had a good series of the five game series at that time league championship series and i got my 10th hit in that series and I uh, get down to first base, and they flash it over the big screen on the, with the Astrodome. And uh, they said that Terry Poole has just set a new record for uh, the league championship series, getting his 10th hit, and he just broke Pete Rose's record. Well, Pete was there at me at first base. He looks at me and he says, that a way to go, TP. That what's right. Records are made to be is to be broken. <laughs> huh. that, well, that's a cool moment. Um, it really was. Yeah. So, so going back one year before we get back to eighty. So, nineteen seventy nine, uh, you guys just about made the playoffs that year, but you had like a, a late season slump, you know. And you guys are looking for your first ever, obviously, playoff berth as the Astros. How frustrating was that seventy nine end of the season? Well, you know, people say we had a slump. We actually probably played pretty well. But if you remember the Cincinnati Reds and uh, uh, George Foster, I think he had twenty one home runs in September. <laughs> Did he really? It was like they just did not lose. Huh. In September, you know that was uh, uh, we didn't play that poorly, but we just we couldn't gain on them. Uh, you know, uh, and they they won so many games in uh, in September. So you got to take the cap off to them. They really did a job. 
Yeah. Well, 1980, like we mentioned, NL West Division champs. Uh, you know, the wild last week of the season, though. Let's talk about that before we get to the to the actual playoffs in 1980. So you guys, if I'm not mistaken, so you get swept by the Dodgers. You're forced into a one-game playoff to determine who wins that. Talk about uh, that week and then that playoff, the one-game playoff in particular. Well, we went to Dodger Stadium, you know, having to win one ball game. You know, we had a uh, uh, and and clinch it. Uh, and in Hollywood fashion, they beat us every night in the ninth inning, Ugh. and it was on a, some dramatic home run every night. So, which you know, then we had to stay over, and of course, then you know, the it's looking like we're going to be the big chokers of the time, and uh, but. Lo and behold, we had a Joe Negro on the mound because he would have thrown the first game of the playoffs for us, and that was probably a significant thing at the time. This way he only got to pitch one game in that playoff series, but he had to come in and pitch for us, and he, he won 21 ball games that year. He was, a, he was our ace. And, you know, thinking about with the pitching staff that we had, say that Joe Negro was our ace, you know, that, that says a lot. And uh, so anyways, he, he – uh, that. That game, we built an early lead on a, a three-run home run by Art Howe, uh, a day game at Dodger Stadium. And, uh, but every time you know, they'd get a base hit, you, you could just feel the tension grow at Dodger Stadium, and you'd say, oh, no, here they come again. <laughs> uh, but but Noxie threw a complete ball game, and uh, it was uh, just, a, a, I believe, 7-1, to 6-1, to 7-1 to finish. And uh, we ended up uh, moving on. That was the, the biggest party I've ever seen. You know, that night and uh, next day we were playing in Philadelphia. Game one. Yeah, it was a, a quick turnaround. So you mentioned it. So you hit uh, you know a then NL Championship Series record five twenty six against the Phillies. But I think kind of like you mentioned those three games in LA in heartbreaking fashion. I think kind of the same thing. What four games went into extra innings in that series? What do you remember about that eighty series and how and how heartbreaking was that against the Phillies? That's exactly what happened. Four games went extra innings, and the fifth game was decided in the ninth. And so, you know, it doesn't get any closer than that. I, I look at it as probably the greatest uh, postseason uh, series ever. And, uh, you know, just to, it was such a competitive group on both sides, uh, a lot of big names, uh, but it was just solid baseball, uh, exciting baseball. There was a lot of runs scored, and, uh, but yet well played. Uh, you know, so, you know, it was playing against the likes of, you know, uh, Pete Rose, Steve Carlton, you know, uh, Luzinski was there. Of course, Schmidt at third base. Uh, Bob Boone at catcher. You know, it was just it was just you know like uh, like I said, a bunch of Hall of Famers that you're playing against. And uh, we we played well, but it's all about execution at the end. And uh, and they executed, and we didn't execute, and it, uh, and it hurt us and knocked us out. Yeah. Well, the next year, '81, you guys played in the NLDS to the Dodgers and lost that one. Any, you know, any memories of that series? Well, you know, we we ended up uh, winning the first two games in Houston. I went over. There was a five game series, and uh, and we went out to Dodger Stadium, and just got pummeled. <laughs> it, uh, it just was ugly, and uh, you know, Dodgers were a good team at that time. And just you know, that's yeah, you you've got to score runs. When you get into playoffs, you know, just like any, you got to put points on the board. You can't be trying to throw zeros at somebody. It just doesn't happen that late in the season. 
Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And then, so the next, you know, let's fast forward a few years. Then, so 1986, you guys are NL West Division champs. Personally, you're two out of three in that NLCS against the Mets. But obviously, you know, that's one of the better teams of the last, you know, quarter century or century, really. So they went on to win the whole thing, you know. But what sticks out about that 86 NLCS? You know, being against the Mets, of course, you know, then the, the the media attention was so much greater at that time, and. You know, they also had that young pitching staff that was uh, pretty pretty special with uh, you know, Gooden, Cone, Darling. Uh, you know, they just they just kept on coming at you, uh, and um, you know they had Gary Carter in behind Keith uh, Hernandez at first base. Uh, so they they were really a a well balanced team, and uh, but then again we had a lot of that was the time with the Astros. We had some older players there, but we had a nice young crop of, of players coming in, you know, like Glenn Davis and uh, Kevin Bass, Billy Hatcher. You know, there was uh, quite a few younger players coming up. And then a guy named Mike Scott. Yeah. <laughs> that happened to be around that time. And Scotty was just, you know, he was coming off a special year, and he won two games, uh, games one and four, and then uh, – he would have started Game Seven had we won that Game Six. And you now, if you remember going back to Game Six, we built a three nothing lead in the first inning. And uh, you know, like I said, I played for that time. It was manager Hal here <clears throat> and uh, Hal in the first inning, uh, we had a three run, three run lead, and he put on a squeeze sign with Alan Ashby, and he of course bunted through because he had bunted all year long. And we're kind of wondering what was that all about, but. Uh, uh, we get back to you know, you know the Bob Nepper pitching a great ball game uh, in the ninth inning. The Mets scored three to tie it, and then of course that ended up being classified as probably the greatest game in, in single game in, in uh, uh, baseball playoffs. And uh, the Mets winning it at the end. Man, you went through some absolute heartbreaks, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. You went. I mean, you went through some absolute heartbreaks during your career. Just hearing about these series, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, we'd like to have gone to the, you know, the winning side. You know, I guess the, the win we did win was the, that one game playoff. You know, against the Dodgers in '80, that was a big win for us. And uh, yeah, it was more or less a, a, a bunch of teams that I played for that really grounded out. That's what we did. We were grinders. And if you look at the Astros from the, all through the 1980s, I think our organization won more games in the National League than any other organization did in 1980. So it wasn't like, you know, we were always in it, but just never got to the big depth. I almost feel bad for the Royals winning this year now. I mean, that was another gut punch for that poor organization. I've got to feel guilty about it right now. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, that's the way the baseball works. you gotta you got to execute. And, uh, you know, just one little thing, and that's what I admired about the Kansas City Royals this year, is that they – there's no quit. They really understand the idea of their team three outs to end an inning. And they keep on coming at you. That, that home run that Gordon hit was just phenomenal. You know, just uh, uh, those are the type of things that I just love about the game today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so after 86 then, and even a couple years before that, so you had some bad luck then, uh, you know, with the injury bug, hamstrings, and, and various different things. How frustrating was that for you dealing with that all those years? Yeah, the, the hamstring uh, the, the made the most serious mistake of trying to come back too early off the first one. 
and uh, you know you get a lot of pressure to to get back into the lineup. You know, you you go through the drills and everything at practice, and you say, "Hey, it feels good. Give me a give me a shot at it. Let me go. I'm ready to go." And then when you get into game time, you don't think; you just react. And the, the leg wasn't ready, and it snapped the second time. And then I took a whole month off. That time came back and snapped it a third time, and you know it was, uh, that was I, I I did end up losing some speed. You know, uh, because I, I never trusted that leg for about another year and a half after that. Yeah, and then following 1988, then so you know you're trying to heal up there, and then there's rumors everywhere that you'd be traded with Dave Smith to the Royals for Danny Tartable. Do you do you remember that time pretty well? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it wasn't that big of a deal, you know, from you know in Houston because uh, you know, um, just from the standpoint of you know we David and I both have been around for quite a few years and. Uh, you know, if it happened, it happened. So I, I never really put that much into it. It wasn't, you know, uh, really talked about that greatly in in Houston at the time. But uh, you know, those things, you know, maybe that would have been a good thing at that time. Did you ever find out if those rumors were legit or not? I didn't, and uh, you know, I guess I could have. I'm trying to think who our general manager was. It was Bill Wood or, or who it was? But uh, you know, I guess our manager Art Howe would have been. The you know, Artie and I were teammates together and then became my manager. So yeah. <laughs> and now that's another thing. I really played for some great managers. You know, uh, Bill Burden being the, the, the first one, and I uh, played for him for like six, seven years. And, and he gave me opportunities to play. Uh, uh, solid, solid baseball man. Very disciplinary. Uh, but he's, he was he was good for my career. You know, my second manager <clears throat> was Bob Lillis, just uh, kind of like an interim basis. And uh, and then Helen Ear came in, who I thought was probably the, one of the best strategists uh, that I ever was around as a as a manager. Just had a little bit of trouble dealing with people. And then my final manager with the Astros was Art Howe, who I was as a player with, uh, teammate. He and Artie, Artie and I would play cribbage on the airplane together. And so when he became manager, you know, he was sitting up in first class, and I was sitting back and playing goes up and. Artie comes trotting back and he says, uh, comes to my seat, he says, Hey, get over, we'll put your place on cribbage. I said, Artie, we can't do that anymore. You're the manager and I'm the player. <laughs> <laughs> so he just kind of grumbled and walked back to his seat. <laughs> but uh, and then I went over to the yeah, to the Royals and played for two other jobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, so like two last Houston questions then. So you play with uh, you know four Hall of Famers there, right? So Joe Morgan, Don Sutton, Nolan Ryan, Craig Biggio. What were those guys like? Well, let's start with uh, with Nolan. You know, he's, uh, in my opinion, he's an icon and uh, always will be an icon. I actually played with another one, uh, a Hall of Famer, and that was George Brett. Oh, well, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, with uh, Nolan, yeah, he's just the ultimate professional, and he's still to this day. He'll do anything for you if you just ask him, and uh, he's just uh, a wonderful gentleman and uh, a great competitor. He's one thing about Nolan, he's you know the four days he didn't pitch you know, on the mound, he is a great guy to be around, a lot of fun, always trying to pull jokes and everything. But on that fifth day, he'd walk through that that uh, locker room door and he you wouldn't even talk to him because he'd bite your neck off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Morgan was uh, you know in my opinion a very knowledgeable player. I got to talk to him and he he taught me some things about how to stay inside the ball, how to hold the ball straight. Uh, he's a very smart uh, player, and uh, you know, it was good to play that one year with Joe. Um, Don Sutton, uh, I really liked uh, to 
be around Don. He's a lot of fun. He's a he's a good man, and uh, you know he he did something one night. Uh, I was you know leadoff hitter. He was a ninth ninth hitter, and uh, and he was a pretty good hitter. And he came up there. There was one out. He was throwing a shutout, and he swung through three balls. And I bet you he he swung and missed like about by about eight to ten inches on each pitch. And I'm over there going, he's not that bad. What what is about? And I asked him after. I says, Don, what, what were you doing over there? You know, he says, Terry. He says, I'm throwing a shutout. He says, Why do I want to get a hit and run the bases and get tired? He said, I was trying to make an effort. <laughs> I felt like wow, you know, just but uh, yeah, he was a he was a he was a great Craig Biggio, of course. I I caught the first part of his career. He was a uh, uh, real hard worker. Craig, uh, a great runner. Yeah, he he could run as a catcher, and uh, uh, probably if there was a shortcoming in his game, it was as, as a thrower. He was uh, just a grinder too, and uh, you could tell that by the amount of at bats that he had. He, to this day. I still marvel at one one uh, stat of Craig's, and that is one year I, I looked at him, and he had over 600 at bats in a year where he hit leadoff, and he never hit into one double play. Oh my and gosh, that, that, that's incredible! Yeah, yeah, because so, you yeah, you think of nothing yeah. else, you'd hit a line drive at somebody on somebody to be running or something, and I hit and run or something, right? I know, I know, it's, it's really scary. Yeah. Well, so you finished up with Houston then, 1990, and then that was it with them because you'd signed with the Mets. Uh, before we talk about that, you know, how hard was it to part ways with the Astros after all those years? Well, it was difficult. Yes, you know, it was. Uh, you know, it was time that it, it happened. You know, I just wasn't willing you know, to go down to spring training and try to make a ball club. I just uh, that, that was kind of nonsense. And uh, so you know, the Mets, uh, Jerry Hun- Jerry Hunsinger was over there, and he was formerly with the Astros, and he gave me a call and said, uh, Jerry, if you want to come to spring training, he says, uh, we'll guarantee you, you know, the, the, the deal. And uh, I said, fine, let's, do it. let's go do it. And so I went down there, and then, of course, with the last week of spring training, Mackie Sasser, if you remember the catcher for yeah. the Mets at that time, yeah. you know, he had all this trouble throwing the ball back to the uh, to the pitcher. And so you got guys like Dwight Gooden and uh, – Darling, and uh, let's see who else. Is Frank Viola was there. These guys are jumping on the mound as they're trying to get the ball back. And, you know, finally Sasser goes in and says, "Hey, I'm, I'm not catching." He said, "I can't throw the ball back." And he had just signed a two-year, two million dollar contract that year. And so, you know, the, the Frank Cashin and the Hunsinger called me into the office today. Terry, he says, "You know, you're having a good spring." Sorry about this, but you know you're the odd man out because Sasser's going to be the left-handed pitch hitter coming off the bench. So that's what made me available. Yeah, it was literally the last cut of spring training, April first. Well, KC signed you then on April twenty-fifth of nineteen ninety-one. How'd you end up uh, with the Royals? Well, I think that was a case where there were some injuries. Uh, you know, Brett was one of the guys that were injured, and they were just trying to get through. And they were going through a transition period, also, I, I believe, uh, and uh, just trying to. Uh, find somebody that could uh, be competitive that they knew that could be competitive and belonged. And uh, so I, you know, got an opportunity to ask me if I, you know, had any interest. I said sure. So you know, packed my bags and went over there. But you know, the, the arm just never came back. I had had rotator cuff surgery before, and uh, uh, the year before, and uh, I thought it was going to be there. But you know, with every day it got worse and worse. And so I never really got to get on the field. And you know, my bat probably wasn't strong enough to be, you know, a sli- just a you know, permanent 
DH, even though I did DH one game over there, but uh, so I was more of a pinch hitter. But yeah, I just couldn't get on the field. Uh, just I, I couldn't throw well enough to to make that transition. So they had no option but two boots. Yeah, who were uh, who were some of the Royals guys that you kind of hit it off with or became friends with when you first walked into that clubhouse here in KC? There's uh, there's several really quality guys over there. You know, Montgomery was a quality guy. Uh, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, of course, George Brett. I got to talk to him quite often, and uh, you know, he's uh, he he one day picked up my bat and said, uh, "Terry, the bat feels good. Do you mind if I use it in the game?" And I went, "Please do." <laughs> <laughs> So he used my bat in a game, and I think I beat the bat boy out there to get it, and I put it in my locker, and it's still in my house. So uh, and, and that was kind of thing. Saber Hagen was there, very competitive guy. Seitzer was over there. Uh, he, he, um, Kurt Gibson was there. You know, just uh, um, really, really some quality guys. Startable was there. Uh, McRae. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was the craziest team I've ever been around. <laughs> I mean, those guys, you know, when, when they made an out, they came back to that dugout and something was broken. <laughs> I, it was, they were a competitive group. They really were. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, you know, you can see why the Royals had such a great uh, dynasty over the years uh, in baseball. So uh, it was just a pleasure to be you know, at least part, part of that organization that, uh, for a brief time. Yeah, well, I mean, you were there during, like you said, transition time, kind of a tough start, uh, 15 and 22 under John Wath, and then Bob Schaefer was there, won his one game, and then Hal McCray comes in and gets hired yeah. uh, towards the end of your time there. I mean, do you, do you remember much about that kind of managerial merry-go-round? Yeah, I did, yeah. It's just kind of what happens when uh, you know, the team is struggling. And, you know, I, like, uh, you know, I knew the game well enough that you know, I knew that things were going to probably happen to me, too. <laughs> just. It was just a matter of time, but uh, you know, we went out to Seattle on that trip, and uh, and I still remember uh, making an out uh, with my last. I hit a ground ball out to second base and running down first base, and I was thinking, you know, it's just an odd, odd thought to go into your head. You know, that might have been my last at bat, you know, because you knew things were going to be happening over there under McRae. Really? So you kind of so then when they ended up, you know, letting you go, did you know that was it then? I mean, were you pretty much just at peace, or did you try to sign on somewhere else after that? Yeah, I knew because I, I was having so much trouble throwing. So uh, yeah, I knew that uh, you know, that uh, it would require another surgery, which you know, again would have cost me another year before you know, because the rotator cuff surgery was not as advanced as it is nowadays. But uh, um, it just got to a point where you know I needed to move on with my life yeah how, how about uh, Royal Stadium how'd you like playing here a big ballpark you know, it was uh, um, you know, it was uh, a very very similar atmosphere as uh, st. Louis Cardinals uh, so um, the very knowledgeable fans uh, uh, just you know quality of the earth type people that are that live in that area so yeah that's that's probably one of the reasons why I was I was pleased to go there in the first place your second to last game you actually had a couple of rbis uh you know the, the night before your last game i guess it was but any, you know, any other do you, do you have any i know you were only here for 21 at bats and 15 games do you have anything that sticks out any favorite moment or anything else with royals uh you know i i think you know it was just the, the fact that you know to to be around us well when we went into seattle and randy johnson was pitching and i know i didn't play in the game but 
You know, the only left-handed hitter in our lineup was George Brett. And George hit two line drives right up the middle off the hip. And I went, I was just shaking my head. I said, I had to walk up and said, George, you are the greatest hitter I've ever seen. <laughs> just to stand in there and gave that guy <laughs> at that time. Because he was wild at the time. And, but, you know, George hit two of those. Just to be around Brett, uh, I was really uh, I was really impressed with the way, uh, you know, what a professional yeah. Did you ever get to try any uh, any barbecue here while you were here? I know you got pretty good barbecue down there too. Oh yeah, we got great barbecue in Texas. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to eat it anywhere else if you eat it here. But, yeah. Uh, yeah that, was a, <laughs> that was uh like I said I, I wasn't there long. Um so it, it was more, you know, I was there by myself. My family was already in school. Uh so my wife had to be back in Houston. So that was it was it was a lot of ways very lonely. Because I'd always played in my home, you know, out of my home, you know, with the Astros, and so it was very easy to do that with the Astros, and uh, so uh, it was, I, I guess could say it was uh, a lonely end to my career, you know, uh, being, you know, by myself, uh, you know, and not with my family. Well, last four questions for you then. These are coming full circle to wrap up then. So you know, when you look back at your baseball career, uh, what are you most proud of as a player? I think the best the the best memory I have is uh, you know that we finally won something as a team with the Astros in 1980 and uh, won that uh, division. That was uh, goes down as a highlight. Second one, of course, is uh, being a part of the National League All Star team in '78. And uh, then again, just the longevity of the team uh, of my uh, term uh, with the Astros, uh, being there a long time. I I still remember uh, Dale. Um, Oh come on, help me now, Dale with uh, Murphy with uh, with uh, uh, Braves. He and I he got up the year earlier than me, and then he went over and got uh, traded to the Phillies later. But uh, I, I still remember that uh, he was the the number one player with longevity with with one team in the National League. I was number two, and I I still remember seeing him in Atlanta and say, "Hey Dale, why don't you hurry up and get traded?" Because there was rumors about that. And, <laughs> And, and uh, so that I can at least have that honor for 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 a few days. <laughs> but that uh, you know, just the fact that I played uh, that long in one city, and uh, they wanted me for that many years. Yeah, that's great. The thing I find most amazing, another thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, how much does it mean to you? How rewarding is it? I mean, obviously, maybe things would be different today with rehab assignments and stuff when you were injured. But how, I mean, how did you go from 1978 to 1991 without ever playing in the minor leagues? You know, especially when you were hurt. That's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, things are a little bit different now than you know, like you said. Uh, I, you know, I guess maybe you know stubbornness too. <laughs> <laughs> That comes into play. Uh, you know, I always viewed myself. Once I got to the big leagues, I was a big league player, and uh, so you know, that's where that's where the, that's the only place I was going to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, last two questions: uh, Have you ever been back to KC since you left, and uh, ever seen any of your old Royals teammates? You know, throughout the years. I have not been back to Kansas City. No, just other than just flying through it, you know, but not for any particular you know, other reason, um, and. Uh, Former teammates, uh, I've run into Seitzer, and uh, I think that's about it. You know, in terms of uh, former players, um, so not not a lot of uh, you know, 
I'm still, I guess you would classify me as an astro. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, that's, you know, in closing, then I always ask, you know, what would you like to say to Royals fans listening? But I'll say, what would you like to say to all baseball fans listening right now? Well, I think the, the baseball uh, is in, the, there's some quality players coming up. And I, I would just like to, you know, to, to see the, at least the players uh, marching ahead and holding the flag going forward to, you know, Show that integrity for the game, and you know, that's why I always believe. Funny uh, is that there's no one player bigger than the game, and you know the game of baseball has given us so many things. But you know, it just to, to honor the game and 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 to see what the guys like you know like a Craig Biggio go through his whole career, like what he did, and and really keep that humility. And uh, be you know it's hard to do that when you're getting. You're almost getting paid sums of money nowadays that you can basically retire on in one year. I know that being in the wealth management group, you know, but uh, you know that they're getting significant funds, and 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 to 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 know that that did not come without a price. And uh, so, you know, I don't uh, I don't ever feel like you know that that's an issue with the group of generation that I came up with. The generation prior to me. They have a gripe about you know, the, the, what they did for the game and uh, the, what they were paid in comparison to what modern-day players did. But uh, you know, just say, keep the integrity of the game the, the priority in uh, going forward. Well, well, thanks so much for all your time you know, and for all that you gave to the game of baseball. And uh, glad you were here with the Royals. And look forward to you know, following your Astros down there for years to come. And you know, if, it's, if it's not the Royals, I hope it's Houston. And, and good luck with your uh, Houston Victoria team as well. Thank you, Dave. It was good chatting with you, too. You as well. Take care.